1: welcome to wood talk now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking mark Shannon, and matt all right what's happening everybody it is show number 561 and on today's show we're talking about choosing a smoothing plane tongue oil finish problems and face frames frist (laughs) he'll bring you anything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what it says. That's what I'm reading. <laughs> but before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before December 31st at rockler.com woodtalk.
2: And if you want to help support the show, you can absolutely, totally, positively do so. By going to Patreon.com/slash/WoodTalk and signing up to become a patron of this show thing we're doing, we are thanking this time James Carey, Jordan Kelly, and Jam's Shop. Mm-hmm. Making them jams. Giving them jams sounds good.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, that kind of jam. There you go. I, I, was, I was thinking, thinking more like jelly.
0: Oh. I was it's thinking this, this. of the 1980s shorts. <laughs>
1: fine okay we're well, we're on three different wavelengths there all right
0: <laughs> i'm just old that's not in really... sync
1: at all all right i think it's we'll just lead. um i don't think we have any kickback so we'll just jump to right uh right into what's on the bench i am uh doing a i'm gonna call it version two of my shop so in <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh-huh. version two yeah, this version month. two of your shop huh why are you guys, why are you guys laughing at me <laughs> What's wrong with you? I think you missed like the zero version twenty maybe. <laughs> no, maybe? no 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 of the firehouse shop. Oh, well, you know, modifiers. But, okay. From a
0: software perspective, version two like that's a big deal. But like one dot six, one dot actually one. <laughs> like yeah. Well, now that you mention it, I actually feel
1: like we've been in the the beta version of this shop. This is now one point oh. 0. So this is like the
2: production release.
1: Yes, this is oh, the nice. one that's ready ready for public consumption. Except for don't don't come here. Um, it's <laughs> don't come here and consume my stuff. <laughs> yeah, no consuming here, please. Uh, but yeah, it, it was an opportunity. I mentioned last time that Jason quit, and in that process, I started to look around and go well. We just got functional. The whole point of of him helping me in this first year was to make this place safe, functional, and to make it so that I could build stuff. And we got to that point. But there were still some things that were, like, super frustrating. You know, that one tool that there's just no outlet nearby, and you have to leave it unplugged. And then I have to go and plug it in. Or, like, two tools that have to share a leg of the dust collection so i'm constantly swapping those out this is stuff that just pisses off people who have small shops and have to roll around their tools they don't want to hear this crap um but i'm in here every single day and if i have to stop what i'm doing to hook up dust collection to plug something in it's a huge hindrance it it really bugs me and it's just a a workflow thing that that, imagine if it's like stop and move a camera well, that's just my my life choices haunting me <laughs> daily. It's a whole different thing. Imagine that annoyance. <laughs> I guess maybe I got to give my, myself a little bit of credit there because I do have that level of thing <laughs> that other people don't have to worry about. Like I don't. I just want to be able to turn a tool on and go because I have this other crap to deal with. Yep,
2: I'm, so, I'm with you.
1: That's. I'd like yeah. to
0: be able to move the camera without like bumping into stuff. Like. Be cool. i I think I think it's mark you've got your you had at least while your tripod on like a little wheelie yep I still D- do thingy yeah like i thought about that and no <laughs> it's like i'm it's constantly having to angle the tripod and like thread it in between things to get yeah, it Yeah, especially in a smaller shop it's
1: a, it's a, it, that would be a nightmare i can only do it because i have big walkways but even then if i have to get through maybe there's a couple of tools there's a vac in the way i got to lift the whole thing and now it's heavier because it's got a stupid dolly and casters uh so yeah it could be a real pain in the butt but
2: you know it's our choice you yeah like a dozer blade on the front of your tripod there just plow away. <laughs> there you go like a plow. Just, Mad Max <laughs> style just get out I think of the that, way I
0: think that's more of a cow catcher than <laughs> <in> a <laughs> desert blade
1: yeah okay so Too anyways
0: Oreo, Oreo catcher Oreo, Oreo catcher. catcher yes speaking there of he go. hasn't
1: shown up today I don't know where he is he's out partying on the weekend Uh, so this was my opportunity to put some T111 on the walls, my, my classic look that I like in the shop and then also functionality, being able to screw things in anywhere I want. While I was doing that, I had a couple other circuits that needed to run. So now I've got more outlets along the walls and it was just an opportunity just to look at the flow, decide what was working this whole time and what wasn't. And I think like we probably all field questions about shop setup and stuff like that over the years. And, uh, that's one thing I would like try to stress to people is don't get too Caught up in version one because you don't really know until you're working in the space where those limitations are. You're just taking your best guess the first time. And then from that point on, it's a constant evolution over the years where even sometimes just moving one thing into this other spot, suddenly it's so much more convenient. And now you just enjoy your time in the shop more. So that's what this version two or version 1.0 was about is uh, refining those things, making sure power is where I need it. Dust collection is where I need it. And then just kind of you know, stuff related to workflow, I didn't like where my bench was. It was all the way by the front door. I found I was not using my workbench very much and it wasn't like it was that far away, but workflow wise, I just didn't find myself going past the bench uh, that often. So I would often wind up putting things on the assembly table instead of on the bench. And I would find other places to clamp something too because it was closer. It's just weird nitpicky stuff. So the new location of the workbench, it's near uh, the table saw. It's actually behind the table saw. And the height is just so that if I have a you know piece that's long enough, I need a little extra um, mm-hmm. support on the infeed side. The workbench is right there, so it's actually really convenient now. So that's uh, that's been dominating my time uh, since the last show. I mean, it took me about two weeks, and now you know this is, of course, ironically, stuff that I really could have used Jay here for <laughs> to huh. do, huh. like lifting T one eleven onto the walls and putting you know furring strips up and uh, attaching all that stuff, wall mounting. Um, my uh, little Powermatic air cleaner, dealy whacker, mm-hmm. getting that stuff on the wall,
0: moving cabinets, all that fun stuff. So um, I mean, technically you could still use him, but now he uses like heavy machinery to move stuff.
1: Yeah. I'd have to and make you'd room have to for pay, the machinery. Uh,
0: you'd have to pay union rates too. So that, it'd be a whole thing. It'd, <laughs> it. it'd be a mess.
1: It's just not worth so yeah, so that, that's been dominating my time. Um, the only other thing I did was I built a little wine box per Nicole's request for gifts. So just a cute little wine box that's modeled after like a Japanese toolbox, but it's all walnut, fill it with some walnut shavings, throw in a bottle of wine, and boom, great little holiday gift yep. for boom. a neighbor. So that's it for me.
0: Shannon, Very nice. what you got going on? oh lord um <clears throat> a lot of a lot of uh woodworking, a lot of finishing, but none of it in my own shop uh huh. yeah i'm I am about a month away from launching an entire line of exterior cladding um mm. at the day job, and it's just kind of interesting I've been doing a lot of like call it R&D, if you will, which is very much like what we would normally do, you know, single man in a shop playing with different profiles, applying finishes, a lot of dyes, things like that, dealing with uh, different textures. And basically I'm pulling together um, the the species, texture, profile, grain, you know, whether it's flat or quartered, and then the right finish to create kind of the best of breed, uh, all wood cladding. And um, it's been really kind of a lot of fun because you know, frankly it's, it's like the kid in the candy store like well what wood should i try well there's seven million board feet to choose from let's see you know and that's been awesome like and it's like okay well now i want to add a texturization well i can use this hand ads thing hand ads it's a rotary tool let's not <laughs> let's not perpetuate that effect hand, hand scraped flooring Uh uh-uh. no it's a <laughs> rotary tool that?
2: they don't have your back <laughs> scraping everything Mr. no hand tools? No.
0: No, definitely not. Now, hand-hewn beams, that's a totally different story. That's that's mm-hmm. still uh, an ads. But like playing, you know, okay, now I want to do this texturization. So I'm using a wire brush or a steel bristle brush. Now let's try it with the brass bristles. Now let's try this like polymer thing called Tinex bristles and just getting all this different effects. And then I landed on, essentially, there's 32 elements in this collection. Firmed all that up and it's like, okay, now I have to reproduce it. Like I have to scale it. Mm-hmm. And make sure that I can get that look with industrial machinery. And that's just been um uh, so many problems. <laughs> so many problems. And I mean to be fair, like I, I I'm not surprised. Like I anticipated that it would be difficult to create a one-off, like custom created look. And then scale it up so that it can be done, you know, in six thousand linear feet in an afternoon type thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been really educational. Um, and industrial finishing equipment is so cool, like. this is going to be the next wave like the cnc wave the that whole thing that the the influencers building big shops that have like giant flatbed CNCs. the next step is going to be industrial flood coders and industrial spray machines Mm -hmm. they're awesome like being able to to finish all sides of our project in a single pass with like no lap marks no um no puddles on the surface um it's just Mm -hmm. awesome Um, that's pretty cool Oh, man. Um, and then the sprayer is the same type of thing. You think you have precision on, like, your Fuji sprayer or, no, like, on my Urlex sprayer. I
2: do not think that. Have
1: you okay, seen that? Okay, fair enough. Inco- it's incorrect.
2: all over the
0: place. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the industrial sprayers, are six heads on this thing. And at first we're like, you know what, let's like, let's shrink wrap the inside, like the front panel and everything just to, you know, try to keep it clean so we can unwrap it and keep the glass clean. It's not necessary. The pinpoint precision. Now, certainly you can spread the fan out wide and throw finish everywhere, but this is designed for like finishing crown molding. So you can imagine that little like, that little like inside V groove on the crown and getting into the, the belly of the crown. Well, if you put too much finish in there, it's going to run down and pool in the bottle of the, in the bottom of the crown sure. and the same thing in the bottom of the V. But at the yep. same time, like if you're doing a buff coat and this is a cool thing, like the buffing wheel is attached, like it's on the infeed side of the spray machine. So it's all one operation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's so cool. <laughs> like this is, and, and this is what's funny. It's like, I'm a hand tool guy, but like everybody's got a little bit of Tim the toolman Taylor in them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just so much fun.
1: How to is it programmed? And, is it based like is it just sensors that's picking up the profiles or
0: do you have to pre program like a tool path almost like a CNC? Uh None, none of the above. Um, that is possible. We didn't do that. Um, okay. it's manually set up. Um, okay. so essentially the, the sander we have, it's a, a forehead sander. So, and each one of them is independent. So you can turn one, turn one off. So you have different profiles on the, on the wheels on the, the flap sander itself and you can position it laterally you can raise it and lower it and by choosing the right wheel like some of the wheels are just you know straight across the bottom others are kind of sawtooth shaped and you can move it laterally to get one of the pointed bits down into the point of it. So okay. yeah there is there is setup certainly. Um, and that's it's actually the other part of this scalability thing is if we're gonna do this profile, like how much how much do we have to factor in? Like time is money, right? So if it takes sure. 30 minutes to set everything up and it takes 30 minutes to clean the machine and finish when you're done, that all goes into the cost per linear foot. So it's, this is the kind of the fun part of all that. There are machines that do have a laser and it will actually line up like the it's kind of cool. Like it scans it and you get this whirring of servos as everything kind of slots into place. That's actually how our molders run um oh cool so you you scan well actually you just take the cad profile um and it kind of like you load in the cad profile and everything's like clicking into place (laughs) we still end up running a test board to make sure that things are good and you're not getting burning and stuff like that but yeah in in this we're 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 air quotes low tech here like you position everything the sprayers I mean, the, the sprayers, they're, they're just like move them around or on, you know, articulating boom arms very much like our microphones right now, um, to, to line those in place for the most part, we don't actually move those that much. Um, some of the mm. weirder profiles with the deeper cuts and things like that, you have to, um, you don't really move the arm, but you adjust the flow and the, and the, the pressure, but yeah, okay. just that level of Like the, the, the dials on these things, they go to 11, like they have all kinds of different adjustments and it's really crazy. You can get any, any different kind of look that you want out of it. Um, you can even spray like multiple different types of finish, And the precision is such that I could actually spray stripes onto a piece of of case molding. Why? I don't know why you would ever want to do that. Because you can. Yeah, it's pretty pretty (laughs) nuts. But then there's the whole other aspect of commercial finishing. Stuff that technically is available to the general public, but unless you're buying it in 1,000-gallon drums you can't get it, you know? But then there's also some that's specifically OEM finish. It's slightly different formulation. Maybe it'll have a slightly different viscosity. Some instances it's missing a polymer or something like that, and it's meant to be top coated. But the quick drying nature of a lot of these finishes and the absorption is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like there's an oil I'm working with that you don't have to apply it to both faces. And it's freaking me out because it's like, the board's <laughs> got a cup if I don't do this. By the time it gets to the end of the run, it's soaked through to the other end. To oh, the really? other side. Like, not so type stuff. Um, yeah, there's a, and actually, this company, a company's called Q Tech. It's not a secret. They're kind of making a lot of waves in the decking market right now, <clears throat> but they're Australian based, specifically designed for like nasty Australian woods. In mm-hmm. nasty Australian climates, like <laughs> applying a decking oil in the bright sun of the outback. I mean, normally that would mm-hmm. be terrible because your finish would be drying as fast as you're putting it on. Mm-hmm. This is designed to, to to not cure and to actually stay active and mobile in the wood. So it's it soaks in super, super fast and it actually doesn't cure, but it bonds molecularly. It's crazy, crazy. Mm basically, I hate, I kind of hate the buzzword now, but it actually is nanotech in this instance. It's not AI, but it is (laughs) nanotech. So yeah. And I mean, like you can buy a can of Qtech now, I think for like 117 bucks and there's like three distributors in the U S. Um, so it's, it's technically available, but like if you're buying it, you know, in 10 gallon, five gallon buckets and drums, it's, you know, you have to have distributor things like that. So it's, Mm -hmm. I've always been a little hesitant to like talk about it, And here I just did uh, (laughs) simply because people get really upset. It's like, when I talk about these cool types of plywood, it's like, yeah, no one can buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the only thing I hope, um, is like the whole trickle-down tech side of things. Sure. Eventually, you have to feel that it's going to hit the consumer market because right now in the high-end industrial finishing market, there is no skill. Like, they're capitalizing on the fact that finishing is a lost art. So everything is idiot-proof. It's it's ridiculous. And we've started to see that with, like, like the Rubios and the Osmos, you know, just wipe it on and ain't nothing to yeah. do after that, you know?
1: Right.
0: But yeah, I, I, I love it when I get to, like, peek into the like the cutting edge type stuff. Same thing with glues. It's really cool. There's just incredible stuff happening right now. That's awesome. The future is now.
1: <laughs> nice. You <We> have arrived.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, Matt. What you got going
2: on? Well, speaking of molding machines and spraying machines. Yeah. I'm doing you that are m- a molding a machine more, a little more manually than that. Yeah. Uh this week I'll be making some crown molding. And uh, finishing that, so I'm a little jealous of this machine that automatically <laughs> finishes all this crap and automatically does profiles and everything. Because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be horrible to uh, you know be hand sanding all of those profiles between all my coats, and after running it through the uh, whatever the knife. We thing. know
1: to make it easier for you,
2: backside uh, sandpaper.
0: There you go.
1: I mean, yes, I,
2: mean, I do have that, but so I'm everyone on knows. Using. Okay, good. What else am I going to use it for? leveling tables (laughs) Uh, if i was only building a table right now instead yeah leveling table legs that would be preferable at this point in my life but you know (laughs) uh, at least i'm getting closer to doing stuff that's finished work again that's cool though nice sure so i'm almost done with the trim work in the sunroom so that'll be one room at least done and um
0: well, it's how are you applying? How are you applying the finish? You're spraying it, aren't you?
2: I'm spraying yeah.
0: Okay. At least you got that. Like it'd be worse if you had like to roll it on or brush it I, on or something.
2: I hadn't sprayed anything like for real until July. That's when I got that sprayer and started doing actual spray finishing. Mm-hmm. And I believe I think most people, if they have like this sprayer for like ten years, they haven't even sprayed as much as I have sprayed in the last four months because I'm mm-hmm. on ten gallons of product already through that sprayer. Nice. Nice, nice. It's like most most people's projects, like oh, you spray like a quart. That's it. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I'm that ten gallons already, and I'm not even halfway done. That's that's good. I guess. So I like really went <laughs> yeah. to the deep end with the whole spray finishing thing.
0: Yeah. See, Matt, this is why Millwork Houses like the one I work for exist. Like only idiots try to do that level of oh, job. I'm well themselves. aware of how idiotic I am. I, I never <laughs> said I was smart.
2: <laughs> 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 But like, you're gonna have so much it is pride. Nice to custom make every piece to fit, spray yeah. it, and then install it and it fits. That's sure. that part's kinda nice. Yeah, that's there's good. a lot of weird stuff.
1: What are you doing for um like are you s sp- I know I've seen video of you spraying outside, obviously getting colder
2: now. What's your spray situation? I still, I still do that. I spray outside and my drying rack's indoors. And you bring it back in. Yeah. I just spray okay. it out, bring it part out, set it down, spread it. I wear <clears throat> my nice big thick gloves, my Insulated gloves, and I spray my parts, and I bring them back inside. For nice, dry. good point. You
0: know, the the cold while you're spraying is not causing problems.
2: Not yet, because the pieces themselves are warm. The finish oh, right, itself right, right, is kind of warm. Right. Yeah, you just gotta be heated, so and it's pretty quick. Preheating. I mean, it's not like I'm out there nice. like looking at it. I'm like, it's it's fast yeah. enough, where the cold doesn't seem to affect it. And it's not that cold yet, so we'll see how it really gets when it gets really cold. But yeah. Yeah. Um so far it hasn't been no, no. an issue. As
0: long as the boards are fine. That's I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I good. did
1: that in Denver a couple of times and this like as long as everything is warm when you get it out there, you bring mm-hmm. it back in pretty soon, it's uh, no ill effects. It's more like for me. you
0: know, you're,
2: you're you get cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, did get, Sorry, this just reminded me. Sorry, I'm going to go back on this little rant. We have a drying room now too. Like oh, God, Of course you no, It's nice. awesome. It's a UV drying room where you bring the lamp the, the like, I don't know. It reminds me of like a dentist office where everything's articulating and comes into place. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's warm, but it's more of like, if you stand in there while it's on, you start to feel kind of sick. Cause it's like <laughs> sucking the moisture out of your body. Like You need some chapstick. <laughs> yeah. It's like infrared, but like the, <sighs> the ability to apply like a sopping wet coat of oil. I mean, water-based is one thing, but oil-based and five minutes later it's dry.
1: <laughs> that's just crazy. Awesome. That's, that's not right I need, I need something like that in my life
0: yeah sorry sorry i i so rarely get to talk about stuff like this it's usually you know one hand plane pass at a time so yeah oh, people okay. people are now like don't know what to to do when they talk to me
2: yeah <laughs> That is that the problem
0: <laughs> yeah that's it that's it you that must be that.
2: it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all right, well, you
1: guys know who else uh, doesn't have a good transition for the mid-roll ad?
0: Ha! Huh. Good one. Me. You know who else? Me. Is difficult it, to talk to? No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not
1: Rockler. They're easy to talk to. That's They're, true. Uh, they got some professionals there.
2: They got that uh, helpline thing. You can call them in this chat for no reason. They do. All
1: right, <laughs> so we're going to focus a little on gift-giving. You guys know it's a the helpline. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It's getting to be that time of year. You guys stop talking now. Um, Oh. Oops. (laughs) It's actually, you guys are going to like this. You're going to want to hear this. Rockler is your go-to source for building your holiday wish list. Don't don't go on Amazon. It's stupid. Go to Rockler. Set up your wish list there. From router tables to power tools to clamps. (laughs) to custom branding irons Rockler has a wide selection of hundreds of new products to choose from and if you're not sure exactly what you want you can never go wrong with a Rockler gift card find the Rockler gift giving guide plus great Black Friday and holiday deals at rockler.com that's going to be coming up soon Black it's
0: Friday scary. shopping baby it's terrifying Rockler I know you're listening there's your new marketing point don't be stupid go to Rockler <laughs> <He's stupid. laughs> don't shop other places they're stupid <laughs> uh, Yeah, you can quote me on that one if you
1: want to it's fine Okay, thanks, Rockler. Always appreciate it. says, "Don't be stupid." <laughs> yeah, probably the, okay. the weirder
2: ad reads we've ever done.
1: Well, just you know, felt a little off today. Sometimes that's how it goes, Matt. You know, you want to do it another it take? You good? We're gonna keep rolling. Uh, let me see. I didn't really think very hard about it. I was so into the <laughs> the trim and the spraying conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got nothing. I'm just uh out yeah, of okay. practice here.
2: Perfect. <laughs> Let's just uh, roll on. Thank you, Rockler.
1: Alrighty. So here, here's a good segue. You know who else needs a drying room? Jordan. Because we're going to talk mm-hmm. about a drying problem. Ooh. Okay, Jordan oh, wrote on. in. We're getting into our questions now, by the way. Oh, thanks uh, for letting me know. <laughs> yep, just, well, you in the audience. Um, no. he, Jordan says, I recently <laughs> watched a series of videos on Mark's YouTube channel about cutting board finishes and tongue oil finish. They were all super informative and entertaining. I was immediately excited to use tongue oil on my next woodworking project, and I did! I did yeah. two Ooh. applications, Hope's tongue oil on my project. Each application spaced about 24 hours apart. I also followed Mark's procedure from the video, aka I did not use the flood treatment. I kept the project in a non-climate controlled garage for about 48 hours after the last application. I noticed when I handled the project, I found oil on my hands. So I brought it in to the house for another 24 hours, but I still found oil on my hands when I touched it. Should I be expecting the oil to harden and eventually no longer leave oil? On my hands when the project is handled any other advice uh when using tongue oil as a finish so you guys um see this project here shannon if you when you do the show notes if you could just pull this photo in there so people can see it does that look like pine to you yeah yeah, some, radiata pine. like that yeah okay it's i radiata. thought it was pine. Okay, so just a couple of red flags here for you, Jordan. I can't be 100% sure, but just a couple of red flags. First of all, when you use an oil like this, pure tongue oil, long drying times, and I find that if you use like a softer, potentially resinous wood like pine, it might even be worse, right? Just because it just does it. it's not as uh, likely to dry as fast. Maybe it's even more thirsty. It's going to absorb more oil a little bit deeper, which means that inc- uh, also increases your cure time. The biggest red flag for me is it's an un- a non-climate-controlled garage. Now, you don't tell me what those conditions are—how humid it is, how cold it is where you are right now. But oil really wants fresh air and warm temperatures to cure, and also a dryer. You know, so if you have if you have a drying room like Shannon does, um, that would certainly have helped in this case. To be uh, clear, have,
0: I don't have the drying room. <laughs> you have access
1: to one. There we go. Yeah, you can walk by it while other people use it. That's something. It's yeah. still something. Wave to the little window. Hello. Yeah. So, so that's oh, yeah. a thing where you place the project is actually huge because oils like this kind of oil, they don't really cure in, in the, the time frame of hours. You're looking at more on the course of days and weeks for cure time for this kind of oil. So saying you had uh, 24 hours between coats means you probably, especially in an un climate-controlled or non-climate-controlled space, you just put uncured oil right on top of uncured oil. So sometimes it's better to leave a little bit more time between those coats to give that first coat a head start on its curing process before you wet it down again. And the fact that it's non-climate-controlled two days, I don't think that's really very much time for the oil to reach any kind of a cured or dry state. So I think leaving it in the house now is your best option. It will get there. Don't apply more oil. Just kind of leave it and let it sit. If you have a nice warm, dry place, laundry room or something like that, where the, you know, I don't know, maybe the smell might bother somebody, but pure tongue oil, I don't think it, it doesn't stink that much. And that looks like a small project. So I don't think it should be too bad, but keep it in the house, keep that warm temperature going, and it will eventually set up and cure. Stop touching it though. Cause you're getting on your fingers and you're probably smudging it. Stop touching it. <laughs> Stop touching it. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the thing. Oils, that's just kind <laughs> of how it title. is. Show title. <laughs> Stop touching it? Okay, there we go. Here, somebody write that in the top. So <laughs> it, it's one of those things with these natural oils, they just take a long time to cure. It's a labor of love. It's a bit of a hobby finish. People don't like it when I say that but what I mean is the the finish itself becomes part of the hobby. I don't mean that it's like a low level finish. It just means you're going to be caring for it over time or putting more care at the beginning like you're doing right now. That's about it for me. You guys have any other tidbits you could add to that? Or you want to um, go to
0: Shannon? I mean certainly that particular pine is also like I don't want to say th- thirsty, but it's, it's, well, yeah, it's thirsty, but that's also a fair bit. Um, and and Mark, you can probably correct my science here, but when radiata is, is prepared and shipped all the way from New Zealand, a lot of times there are chemical bonds that are actually broken and the extractives kind of are, are like actively seeking something to bond with. Something to bind (laughs) to. Yeah. Um, and uh that's one of the reasons it comes across super super thirsty but there's also a fair amount of resins that actually chemically react when you use a natural oil whereas there's synthetic oils and stuff on the market this is an organic natural oil that is actually reacting to the extractives in the wood itself and it's actually creating like more oil it's kind of crazy this is really really common with like you know, uh, tropical jungle woods and things like that, where the, the tannins and the extractives actually come out, they're drawn out by a natural oil. And it just takes for flipping ever for it to tack Mm -hmm. up because it's almost like it's, it's, it's creating, it's sucking more oil out of the wood itself. So like you put Mm -hmm. on a quart, and there's two quarts of oil on there somehow it's magic. (laughs) It's like when you rub an Italian's forehead. Yeah, uh, exactly. We'll just just, come just right out. like that. Yeah, but this is this is something that's also pretty common with radiata pine, simply because of how it's dried and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So,
1: okay. Anyway, good deal. All right, you got a uh, little book to read here.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna do my best to paraphrase this. Azim is looking to buy a smoothing plane. And it's obvious that Azim has put a lot of thought into this, done a lot of research, probably listened to a lot of online wonks like me, uh, about all the different aspects to consider when buying a plane. So he is he's a typical hobbyist type guy in a garage shop. He's got some power tools, he's kind of thinking of moving. More towards uh, hand tools, but definitely not, you know, like crazy people like me. Much more of a uh, hybrid TM hybrid woodworker. Uh, I have route. a book
1: I could recommend.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably hybrid woodworking. Um, if you're interested, just
1: twwstore Amazon, Barnes yeah. and
0: Noble. Right, uh, what I will what rock, I will tell you, Azim, no, is um, not a
1: Rockler. What is up with that? Yeah, <laughs> been, up with that? They, still, they still don't sell my book.
2: Come I think on. the Canadian
1: Rockler sells my book, but they don't. Yeah,
2: they do. So what so, with
1: happened? Ro- I don't Canadian know every time rockler. I every time I bring I did, it up I hear crickets. I don't know.
0: Uh, all right. Good to know. <laughs> Sorry. Well, now you know Azeem and and I will tell you Azeem <laughs> I've read that book. I actually have a signed copy of that book. Um, in this particular case, it won't help you. Um, oh, dang it. Oh, well, what I tried. It, what, what Azeem is talking about is doing some actually milling of his boards. Oh, yeah, um, and the one thing that I learned in the hybrid woodworking is I ain't got no time for that. Um, we're not going to be milling <laughs> boards for that. And Annie recommends a shoulder plane, which is just cuckoo bananas Correct, there.
1: Correct, what you meant to say.
0: So yeah, uh, he has a, he has a low angle Jack and he's got an old Stanley and he's considering he does not currently have a planer. So he's thinking about getting a lunchbox planer, but for like smaller board projects, he's thinking maybe I, I wouldn't even use it in the first place and I would mill my boards. So he goes around the bush about maybe converting a Jack to a couple of things or maybe getting his number four and turning it into a scrub plane and all this fun stuff in the end. He's like, if I camber the iron in my low angle jack to make a four plane, I could then buy a smoothing plane um, for difficult grain and what would you pick? There's also a lot more in here about all the various things that you can do to defeat difficult grain. And I kind of picked this because I feel like The idea of the super smoother has become overstated. And as someone who works in marketing, I can tell you that as a way to differentiate your hand plane from the other hand planes in the market, you can come up with all kinds of different things. There's also this kind of acquisition mentality. If you're dealing with tear out, well, there must be a tool that can help me fix it. In my experience, certainly there are some gnarly woods out there that just defy everything. And that's what the card scraper's for. That can pretty much fix anything or you know, your Rotex sander. Um, that can do a pretty good job as well my super quote-unquote super hand plane is a lee nielsen number four and you could remove the lee nielsen from it and just say a number four the reason i specifically say lee nielsen is because i know that it's a precisely ground sole precisely fettled the frog is is everything is is as it should be if you had a stanley number four that was you know set up to the same level it would work the same frankly i've used uh, a veritas number four fantastic plane It's just a plain old number four. It doesn't have a higher angle frog, a York Picks frog. It's a bevel down plane. I have used bevel up smoothing planes before and you can play with the angle and all that. But basically I'm using a bevel at a standard 45 degree frog with a 25 degree bevel angle on it. And it works great. When I have bad tear out, I can advance the frog to tighten the mouth. Like, well, first thing, I make sure the blade is sharp. Number one, make sure the blade's sharp. Number two, tighten the mouth on the blade. Number three move the chip breaker up a little bit to break the chip a little faster number four skew the plane number five add a little bit of oil to the wood to soften the fibers that's mostly an ingrain thing and that's that's enough like I haven't needed a bunch of extra tricks and gimmicks I'm not going to deny that they work but I think what all of that does is really confuse the issue and it leads to this just, utter, like, what do I do? Like, and you, you see people that have six different smoothing planes set up for all these different situations and nine times out of 10, it's just overkill. It's just not necessary unless you just have that gnarliest of gnarly, you know, jungle woods. And I'm not even referring to like the figured stuff. Cause I, I really have not had problems with, you know, heavily fiddleback maple grenadillo. Now that's a tough wood to plane, but it's, I I think so much of the time we're so focused on all these other extra steps and there's just tuning of the plane and a little bit of technique. It's going to fix that. Long story short, any number four should do the job for you. If you want it to work like right out of the box, that's when you consider a more premium supplier like Veritas or Lee Nielsen. Actually, hey folks, they sponsor the show. Bench Dog Planes by Rockler. I have one. Works great. Mm -hmm. Worked great right out of the box. Um, I'd say the same thing about Wood River from the other, rockler. Um so we've got the Canadian Rockler, the other Rockler and the Rockler all represented here. Um their premium smoother planes are fantastic. Sorry, in I'm on brand here. Long story short, the answer is buy yourself a premium smoothing plane and don't worry about all the other stuff. Don't worry about the higher angle frogs and the different bevel up and bevel down options and the different blades and throwing in a tooth blade and all this stuff. It's just standard blade, standard frog angle, um, if you're getting tear out, make little adjustments, and it will fix it. Okay. Okay. Cool. In <laughs> red. Sh- sharpen, and then
2: <clears throat> mouth, and then sharpen your mouth. <laughs> sharpen <laughs> your mouth, and then something else. Oh, chip breaker. Skew it. That was the, the last one? I already forgot. I gotta go back and listen. I forgot That's number enough. five. Hey, we That's record enough. this. So Buy you can a new plane.
1: There
0: we go. <laughs> That's what I would do.
2: Buy a better tool. Okay, here's your five step program from Shannon. Buy do. it from
0: Vandalist. It's got it's already cambered. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot to put down who this is from. I'm sorry, whoever wrote this in. Oh, it's right Boons. here, Paul. Thank you, Paul. This is from Paul. Paul just saw my buffet cabinet build. Found it interesting the way the case was made. I don't think I've ever seen it done that way before. Seems like a good way to get things lined up. Do you recommend doing this with any face frame cabinet builds? Where did you learn this technique? Also, where are your shoes? My <laughs> shoes are by the front door where they belong because we don't wear our shoes in our house. And uh, people get angry when I walk through the house with my shoes on. Oh, so, boy. There's that. Also, Yikes. the floor is heated, so it's kind of nice to work in your socks. Oof. Um, so there's that. Look at you. <laughs> Okay, we talked about this in a recent episode, so I thought this would be more like a, you know, a little follow-up thing on the face frames first technique of things. So I first saw this technique oh God, must, at least over a decade ago, and I, I was trying to look it up. I cannot figure out what program, what system it was. It was some ad for some DVD you could buy. That's how old this was, where it was like a system of making like the face frames first, and then you put a dado or a groove in the back of your face frames, and you Rabbit all your panels to fit into your face frames. So that was the first time I saw that. And that was before I even like wanted to build cabins. Thought about building cabins. Or actually, it was at an early point in my woodworking where like building your own kitchen seemed like a really cool thing to do, like a <laughs> smart thing or a fun thing to do. That's that's how long ago that was. Uh, but, <laughs> when I was young and naive. When <laughs> I was very naive and young back then. Yes, I was still in my twenties. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, that just stuck with me through like my creative decision-making process of all this. And to me, it makes a lot of sense to do face frames first because the face frame is the only part that actually matters, at least as far as the box is concerned. There can be a lot of inaccuracy in your box. It doesn't really matter a whole lot, but if your face frame is wrong, the whole thing is wrong. That's my perspective on how it all worked. The other big advantage that I mentioned the last time with doing the face frames first is that I can bring the face frame into the space and confirm that it's right. So for some of us hasn't done a really hasn't done any cabinetry, any built-in, any kitchen fitting, my level of confidence is like at the floor. So being able to actually like see it and be like, okay, this is actually gonna work. When I make this add all this plywood to this thing, it'll still fit the space and it is the right size for everything it needs to be. That's probably less of a concern if you're doing a, a less fully built-in custom kitchen than I am. If you're doing stock sizes and you're laying out into an open wall where you're going to go into drywall and if your cabinet run is an inch or an inch longer, an inch shorter than what you was supposed to be, doesn't really matter. It probably doesn't matter as much. But in my case, I need cabinetry all the way across to like an opening. And it has to land perfectly to the jam of that opening without using any fillers anywhere. Again, just having it all in there. You can lay it out, make sure it all works. And then you can be like, okay, now I can cut several hundred dollars worth the plywood. <laughs> And Mm. no, that's going to be right. The phase frame stock is also. You only used one sheet of
0: plywood. (laughs) Yeah,
2: for one cabinet, maybe a small one.
0: Plywood, plywood price joke.
2: I know, I know. It's it's unfortunate, (laughs) but it is what it is. (laughs) All right, that's that's kind of where that's at. And I thought another kind of corollary thing with the hand plane question that Shan just had is a lot of people found it interesting since I'm scrubbing all of my cabinets to the floor. That I hand plane them. That that seems to like blow people away, but that's a skill that I actually have. Like i i can't I can't float a, f- <laughs> a, a cabinet to the floor with a belt sander. It's just to a pencil line. I can't do it. I can do it really well to a knife line with a hand plane. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm sticking with. I have that skill already, and I will continue to use it because I have already, already, I already got that is, skill. I don't is make that any new the ones.
0: alternative, like. Of course you did it that way. How else would you do it?
2: They would belt sand it.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds really to a pencil line. Throw it, you know, throw it against the wall type tactic there. I don't know. I I mean, mean, I guess there are people who are really good with the belt sander. So I suppose.
2: And every time I've used it, even though it's got the platen on it, I still get, it's still kind of like rounds the edges over a little bit. So you get this sort of undercut thing going on, which I am like, I'm not Mm -hmm. that into. I don't know if it's like I say carpenters, but they're still used to using pencil lines. Having a knife line, though, like you know when you're there. Like that edge phrase, you know you're perfectly there. There's no guesswork of like, oh, am I, am I into the pencil lead now? Did I just barely touch the lead? You know, it's the line, you hit it, it phrases. you're done. You're there. That's it. It's just a furniture maker to me, I guess, trying to, again, use the skills I already have to do these installs.
0: Preach it. Mm-hmm. Preach it, brother.
2: Nothing wrong with that, though. <laughs> it's fine. You get it done. And that's the, the part deal. I actually like. Like, I don't want to build, I don't want to paint this crap. I hate yeah. spraying. I want to be <laughs> the, the oh, plane for so the lifeline. That's the only part <laughs> of the build I like, is actually scrapping it to the floor. <laughs> the rest of them, like, I can do without it.
1: <laughs> Everybody walks in the kitchen, you're like, see those down there? Yeah. I did that. Oh, it's perfect. I it's like that. right. On the, it's perfect. Did that with a hand plane. <laughs> All the way across. How's that make you
2: feel? <laughs> Pretty good. How's that make you <laughs> <it> feel? <laughs> <I guess. laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I lost, house I lost tour. my point with that I had this point that I was trying to make to tie back to Shannon's <laughs> thing about the planes you need I was scribing a frame and panel to the floor so it's end grain and long grain did it with the standard angle number 4 no problem mm, yep. you don't need any weird plane the plane end grain, plane reversing things it, it'll be fine it was, I yeah. played plywood maple, long grain, maple end grain all in one pass Look at you! And
0: it'll be fine. If the blade is sharp, it works just fine. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I mean, if you, you, if you do do go it. back, if you go back before belt sanders, carpenters <laughs> used block planes, they, oh, and they had mm-hmm. a plane. They used mm-hmm. the block plane for everything. Sure, wasn't just in grain, folks. It works on face grain too.
2: I've been thought. using the block plane on the trim a lot. It's nice to you know the one-handed. It's nice yeah. to have a plane in one hand. You hold the workpiece in the other one. You're I
0: think you know you it. Is how
2: hand planes work, Shannon? I don't.
0: I've, I explain, explain it how it hand
2: planes work tell them how yeah. it is
0: sell them on it <laughs> you know who else will knows how hand planes work there you go mark
1: Family-owned since 1954, Rockler (laughs) is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, hey, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project (laughs) a success. Visit Rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to Rockler.com slash WOODTALK to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Card.
0: Yeah, and if you win it, you could re-gift it to that special someone. That's right. That's what the that's what the roll ad told <laughs> what me. The, what woodworkers workers
1: the, want? They want those gift cards.
0: Right. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Hand me down you know, a gift card. Yeah, just just keep passing it around. <laughs> we like your questions, folks. No matter how long they are and how much we have to paraphrase them. We like them. <laughs> so keep sending them in. I I especially would like to hear from folks who have jumped into that project and they thought it was a good idea in their 20s and now have realized (laughs) why it's not a good idea like how many of you have had that project that you've been thinking about building and you put it off for a couple decades and decided to build it and realized why didn't i just hire a contractor to do this and then i could have you know still hand planed everything to the floor described to the floor and the contractor could have built all the boxes so yeah Anyway, send in those those questions, those stories to the Wood Talk Show, the Wood Talk Show, woodtalkshow.com, or email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We love you all. We do. Ready, good. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Thank you.